Welcome to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast with me, Maya Fisher-French. And with me, Mapalomaku. Each week, we'll be discussing the stories we're working on and which you can read more about in the City Press. So this week, uh, you know, we often get questions from readers um, and listeners and all the rest of it. And I think that that's, we love, by the way, getting them. So please keep sending them to us because it gives us an idea of what it is that you want to, to be hearing about or us talking about. So this week, um, I got this question. So Mapala and I decided we're going to deal with this. This is about investing for your children in their names, not in their names. And this person wrote, he said, I've got three children, 7, 10, and 14, and I want to invest 5,000 rand each in their names. I'm looking to invest for five to seven years. I'm looking at unit trusts. Is this a good idea? And should I open an account in my name or in their name? And, you know, Mapala, we, we get this kind of question quite often. And there's always this very important part that is missing. And that is, what is yes. this for? Yes, yes. Spot on, Maya. I find that oftentimes when we talk about investing, we don't have timelines, number one. We don't have, okay, um, what is this for, as you mentioned. But the biggest one really is the timeline. Because, I mean, he's talking about, I, I remember in, in the question he, he asked um, if he should put it into a unit trust. And oftentimes, a unit trust is seen as a long-term investment, something that you should not touch. But five years, Maya, we know what's been happening in this economy. <laughs> How would you answer that? I have my own opinion, but I want to hear from the money maven first. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's such a good question. I think if somebody wrote to me and said, I'm investing for the next five years, he's remember he said between five and seven. So he said, if I'm investing for the next five years and I was doing it monthly, I would say, you know, you definitely, you can equity exposure, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all panicking about the markets. The market's back up where it was, you know, in February. So it, it hasn't all year to date. We're actually flat. Okay. We haven't, the markets recover over the shorter period of time. So if you're investing monthly, and, and I think we've said this on the show before, you know, that, that debit order at the end of March is actually up 50%. So if you're investing monthly, the market goes up, the market goes down, five years for me, I'd be comfortable. A lump sum, and you need it for a specific thing or reason, and that and that's comes back to what do you need it for? So if he said to me, in five years' time, if the market wasn't looking great, I could leave it for another year, then that's fine. But if he said, I have to cash it out and I have to have the money for a specific purpose, then you would probably want to take, even if you did go for unit trust, you'd probably want to go for one that had um, perhaps exposure to less risky assets, a little bit more cash and bonds in it than you would maybe um, pure equity. So I, th I think it does. I think that there was a time when we said five years definitely with a lump sum um, and maybe we we're all just a bit jaded. But I think, yeah, I, I think I'd want to be, I'd have some kind of um, hesitation about, about, you know, sticking a lump sum in um, unless I knew at the end of the five years that I could wait another year. Yeah. Your view? No, I love that, Maya. I think I've never actually thought about it in that way, that you should make a distinction between the lump sum and the monthly contributions. So again, we talk about this all the time on the podcast. Rent cost averaging is important because when the markets are down, you get more units for your money. Um, then it makes sense. But a lump sum, on the other hand, which is actually what I was not able to do because, as you know, I did not buy my car. I have this... Um, lump sum which has accumulated quite a bit and it's just sitting safely <laughs> in my account 
because I'm just not very comfortable just putting it and maybe seeing a loss. Um, so that just speaks to how a bit risk averse I am in other areas. But definitely, Maya, I think, sure, uh, for me, when I look at, personally, when I look at my son's education, I have, um, I have lump sums going for him, um, especially in the tax-free savings account, the 36,000 rent per year, we max it out every single year. But that I'm not worried about. Uh, whenever I have the funds and whenever we plan to contribute, whether it is the 36,000, whether, whether it's 10,000, um, whatever amount is to make sure that we get to the 36,000, for me, I'm not concerned about it. I'm like, it's here, I'm going to put it away. But I know for sure that is money um, designated for university fees, not his school fees in the next five years or 10 years, but literally when he is in varsity. So that I'm not worried about. Yeah, I, I've also got a dual strategy. I, I've been, I put money away, um, and this I suppose we must also get to the, to, to, to the second part of his question, which is in his name or his children's name. So when you, when you invest, for me, you know, putting money away for my children's university, that's, I think, A, I look at that as my obligation. That's something I'm putting money away for. But I also don't want to, to um, you know, for me, when you're coming in to cash that stuff in, and this is the other thing is, is if you ever trying to open an account in your child's name, which you have, I think I've got my, my kids got their own tax-free investment accounts. It's quite a mission when they're under 18. Yeah, tedious it's actually very tedious exactly and if if you need to cash it in before they're 18 you have and it's in their name it has to be paid out into the name of their bank account so you'd have to have a bank account for them uh, it, it gets a little bit complicated so for me i look at my i do have i've done dual i've got investments in my name which i use for my children's um, educational purposes or, or those things that i know i'm going to be paying for but then i have got for me the the ones that are in their name is my gift to them. That's because I've always mm. said, don't come to me. Don't think that when I when I die at the age of 80, hopefully, or 90 or 100, there's going to be an inheritance, kids. That tax-free investment account that I've got for you, that's the inheritance. That's the inheritance. <laughs> I'm putting the money in there and it's in their name and over time it'll grow and they can add to it and they can invest, but I don't have a time frame on that and that is in their name. And that way, of course, we can maximize the whole family's tax-free investment uh, cap because it's 36,000 rand per person. There's four in our family. So what is that? About 144,000 rand a year that we can put away as a family. So I think you need to look at these all in a in a different way. Like what? And I, I think it still comes back down to that point: is what is this for? I love that, Maya. I have never actually thought about the fact that when you do cash this investment in, um, and if you had it in their names, it would mean quite a bit of admin on your side, right? For me, I have always just said, okay, the school fees for next year or the following year or the other for the next five years, there's a separate account where I'm putting money away for that. Then the long-term investments are in his name. Hopefully, I don't really have to cash them out. So yeah, maybe they are, I've, unconsciously, I have thought it is a gift to them. But the hassle, well, how do you even get to have a, an account for your five-year-old? Then it's more paperwork it's it's all sorts of um admin on your side but i definitely love that idea yeah and i think it's something that the that i think our financial industry needs to try and resolve for is is how difficult it is to open an account in a child's name so first of all they need to have a bank account so you've got to go and open a bank account in their names they have to have that 
then uh, and then you've got to go now and you've got to do you know you're the parents you have to sign guardianship then you have to sign proof of address because of course they don't have anything that proves that they live with you so you've got to fill in those forms and it is quite manual now i understand it's not the financial industry's fault it's fika um, and all these other dreadful mm -hmm. laws and regulation but i, I would really encourage our our regulators who hopefully i do know from time to time they listen to this podcast do listen now and make it easier for parents to open up accounts in their children's name and I you know I've often said to them why is it so difficult and they said it's often because people actually use those accounts fraudulently so they'll open and they'll, they'll in a minor's name but then they're using it fraudulently for fraudulent actions and I'm like okay but you know what other ways does that with that child stuff come on yeah you can there are other ways to monitor that you can't just keep using that as an excuse to make it really really difficult to to invest in but you were talking about school fees for next year okay this is a good question so we've been talking yes. about investing long term for your kids all the rest of it but i also i pay my, my school fees in advance a year in advance where do you say put the money where, where do you put it when you're saving for it in a, in a 32 day notice account. So the other year, so this is just a personal experience of mine. I used to do um, full year fees and get that 10% off. Then we did that and we did not like the school my son went to one year. <laughs> and I just thought, goodness, just imagine the headache. But also I just didn't take him out of the school because, you know, I wanted him to grow a thick skin. Like, you know what, you can't just leave whenever you things are not going your way but for me it was also a lesson so last this year actually we didn't pay the full year's fees but he's enjoying it he's thriving so definitely next year we'll be doing the full year's fees but it's in my 32-day notice account I don't want to lose any money um I, I, I want to make sure that that money is there when I need it yeah so we what I, I actually always did put it in, in a in a 32-day notice but I've now been was now been putting it in my mortgage so that's been an interesting one. Um, and I've, I've always not wanted to put it in my mortgage because I hate, I like pots. So you know me, I like, I know the money's there and it's in my mortgage. Already when you said that, my mind is just really like, okay, then what happens at the end? Now I have to go in and... <laughs> No, and, and and my husband's like he's so adamant, and he's he's always says no no, and so I made him keep a really good track record of. So you know, just yesterday, I, I, I transferred some money at the end of the month. I, I transferred money into the bond, you know, for next year's school fees, and I felt like I hope you're keeping good track on this because I want to know exactly. I don't know. It's interesting. So we we have changed tactic, um, and we are putting it into the bond uh, because Why of interest rates. Interest rates are so low. Yeah. So uh, what are you getting on your 32 day now? What three percent or something? So at least yeah, on your bond, you're getting, mm -hmm. you're getting primes. I think I think that's been part of our decision. Was just the rates have made it more made more sense. Um, but it's actually something my husband really has wanted to do for a long time. And I, and I was like, okay, just keep good track of the money. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so I don't know. It's, it's every each their own. But I think it's very important to make that differentiate to differentiate that you know next year's fees, even if. Quite frankly, say your child started high school and you're, you're pre preparing maybe for grade 11 or 12, you still want to keep that as cash-like as possible. You wouldn't want to be starting to take too much too much risk with over certainly two years. Yeah. Two, three years. yeah. Um, and, and, but, you know, the longer-term stuff, you know, I, I've told you a famous story. My son was two when I started investing for him. And I did actually open that. It was before tax-free investment accounts. And I did open it in his name because I knew it was long-term. Yeah. 200 rand a month, 300 rand a month, blah, blah, blah. 
So last year he was 19. It was worth 160,000 rand. Oh, what a nice gift, mom. <laughs> yeah, but let me tell you, there's a catch. And this is another question I have that maybe we can discuss. This is, so he turns 19, he turns 18. The money's his. It's in his name. Ooh. Hopefully you have someone who has a good head on his shoulders because, I mean, if he's 18 and he has a bank account, he can easily say, you know what, I want this money. So don't tell him about it. I won't tell him about the money. He knows about it. He just doesn't know he can access it. That's the best part. I just like. Let's hope he doesn't listen to this podcast, of, of course. So let's let, hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. Because, you know, he's just going to decide, oh, great, mom, some money. So some parents, what they're doing, and this is an interesting one, maybe controversial, is they're saying, I want it to be my child's name. You know, this is their inheritance. But I'm going to put it into retirement annuity. Because they can't touch it. Yes, yes, yes. What do you think of you know, that? You know what? Um, you, you remember um, earlier I told you, I think it was about a year ago when he started the podcast, that we do have a retirement annuity for my son. And literally it was just a, a small lump sum. And we said, you know what? Let's, let's just put it out there and see what happens to it. You know, we're not going to fund it every now and then. But putting it into a retirement annuity, what if at the age of 30, he wants to start a business or God knows whatever else. Now it's tied up into a retirement annuity and you don't know what rules and regulations are going to be in 30, 40 years time. So for me, I, I would prefer just a small amount in there just to kind of see compound interest do its own thing. But the other stuff, I want him to be able to access it when he does want it. But hopefully, you know, like I said, he has a good head on his shoulders, <laughs> cross fingers. And I do think, you know, we've got this, this tax reinvestment. Yes, it's got a cap of 500,000 lifetime limit at the moment, but we're hoping that that can be raised. But, you know, 36,000 rand a year is a lot of money to be putting away in your kid's name. So, you know, you, you're probably getting to use up, you know, you know, it's not like you need an RA on top of that. Or maybe you do. Maybe you really want to fund your kid retirement fund. You want to do everything <laughs> But I, I, to me, I do feel that the tax reinvestment product at this stage meets meets the requirement. Um, I think for that, for that, without, like you said, locking in. And the other really, you know, the, the thing with locking in with retirement annuities is that you are incentivized to lock in. So you are given that massive tax break on your income. Now, if you put the RA in your child's name, you don't get that tax break. Nor does your child; they're not earning an income. So they don't get that, 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 that tax break. And, of course, in retirement, you know, you, you have to pay um, tax on the income from it. So I just, to me, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as, as that sort of tool. I, I think it's too inflexible. That you, the tax benefits are not beneficial enough for a child. I think you, the only reason you're doing it really is that they can't touch the money. Um, and you know what? You can just lie to them and hide it. Um, <laughs> That's not that's not parenting advice. But I just, you know, like you said, you just got to hope that they have a, a good, you know, a, a, you've, you've done a good job with them, um, and that they keep that money to grow, and and you keep trying to instill in them the opportunities of, because I can tell you now, it's like, wow, you know, I've always wanted this, this, the other, and cash it in, and regret they will regret it for the rest of their life. So for me, 100%, with the retirement annuity that we had, like literally we put about 10K, then another 10K. And we said, you know what? It would just be interesting. It would be a good story when it's 55 to say, mom and dad, you know, they put this thing in there to show me or to teach me um, compound interest. So for me, it just makes it feel 
Like mommy will start a blog and start making money from blogging. <laughs> he can start he can start a blog in 50 years' time. He can start a blog. And so now another question. If we okay, so we've kind of said right, school fees, short term, you're gonna try and stay cash-like as much as possible, stick it in, in cash like. Oh, money markets, by the way. Unit trusts also have money markets. You have a money market. I was berated by, by a reader, Mapulo, um, for not mentioning that in one, one of my emergency fund options. So your emergency fund, yes, you can use a unit trust money market account. Absolutely. Yes. And I mean, you have mentioned before, you have actually written about it, um, about how money market has outperformed most of the asset classes um, in a previous article you did. So you did cover it. They just missed that article. They just missed it. <laughs> so yes, you can use a money market, uh, you know, those sort of things for your shorter term. Then, but now this is the question. So now I'm saying, okay, five, 10, 15 years, I want to put in a tax-free investment. Which funds do I choose? And this is where I think we always come back to it. Mm. You know, we, so I'm going to ask you that question. Where are you putting the tax-free investment money at the moment? Yeah. So Maya, I've actually found that most of these um, asset managers, they have very limited funds when it comes to at the tax-free savings account. I don't know why, I, maybe you can answer that, but it's not the full range um, as they normally do have. But for me, I've gone for literally everything high equity as possible. So if I could add as much equity in that, I did. So literally for my own tax-free savings account, for my son's own tax-free savings account, we've gone full on high equity, as much equity as we could take on that's what mm. we did. Now, so we, what I've done also is I've, I've, I've balanced it with local and international offshore because I think we, you know, the, the reality is, is that it was very interesting, actually. I was looking at the return figures and there are obviously times where, where the South African market actually well outperforms the developed markets. Um, and we've, we've gone through stretches of that. We've gone through stretches where the RAND's been relatively strong, but then we've gone through the last five years, which have been quite the opposite. And if you really look at that kind of balanced fund approach, we've got, or balanced approach, we've got some money offshore, some money local, some bonds, some cash, you're generally going to get over all of these ups and downs, considering the length of time you're looking at, it works quite well. But one of my concerns that I'm finding is that even within the balanced fund. So you get some great balanced funds. Um, funny enough, I was just I was doing a, a webinar with, with Ned Group. And they have they have balanced funds, their core range. I think if you pay half a percent or something, that's their fees. I mean, they're really, really cost effective. Um, but you for me, if you go for that sort of and when when I talk about balanced funds, they're generally regulation 28, which means they're limited to 25% offshore. And if you want to get a 50-50 balance, then you may need to either do two different funds where you, you're literally putting some money. And we haven't even spoken about your, your traditional trackers. You may want to buy the MSCI um, index plus the all share index. Use those two. Um, or you take a balanced fund, but you top it up. Maybe you have an extra, a second fund that you add to. So I think that's also something I'm finding. And I would like to have more of a 50-50 split. I think over time, if you look at all, at all the analysis, 50% offshore, 50% local seems to give you quite a good, a good long-term outcome. Yeah. But in my RA, uh, Maya, I already have so much of South African stuff because of Regulation 28. So for me, um, with a tax-free savings account, it's more like 70 30 because I just needed that bit of exposure um, offshore than, than I already have. Because I know, you know, we spoke about this in another, in another podcast where 
you have more exposure through other investments and I haven't reached that stage. So for me, the tax-free savings account was an opportunity to to do a little bit more of that. Definitely. And I think that is, um, and, and that's what I've done. All my discretionary money is actually offshore. So, and funny, funny enough, I did, I did my analysis. Um, I finally got the guts to look at it all again, Michael, and it's all looking much better. Um, and I'm, I am 50% offshore. So that's, if I look at take my pension fund, so I'm talking about my RA as purely local, even though it's got an offshore element. So even within that, 50% of my discretionary money outside of my pension is actually held offshore. So, so I, you know, I feel that that 50-50 really, really works for me. Um, and I think that's always just a good the people are listening, that's generally a good approach, I think, to go. To wrap it up, when it comes to investing for your child, invest in their name if it's long-term, that this is what we're saying. If you ever do invest in their name and you need the cash um, in five years' time, then you need <laughs> their bank account, which is tedious. Um, I'm missing some stuff. You finish off, Maya. Yes, I think, yes, I think if, if it is yeah, long-term, if you open a tax-free investment in your child's name, absolutely do it. That's for the long-term. Yeah. If you're looking at shorter-term educational goals, that kind of stuff, do it in your name. And then also look at what assets match that. Uh, you know, if it's really over just over the next two years, maybe you want to be very cash-like. If you're putting money away for the next five years, but on a monthly basis, you can definitely look more equities. Um, so I think that is it's really about, and it comes back to the question before you even start is, what is this? Oh. Yes. What is this for? That's the question. And what is the timeline? And yeah, it will give it will definitely give you the answer um, to all of these questions that that you have. But keep sending us questions because we love answering them. We love answering them. Yes. <laughs> so that's a wrap for today. Um, if our listeners would like to learn more about these or any money related topics, they can go to the City Press website or to your website, womanandfinance.co.za, or my website, mayaonmoney.co.za. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a WhatsApp voice note to 064-554-3959. And we look forward to hearing from you. Because we want to know what it is that you want to know. You've been listening to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, featuring the contributors of the City Press personal finance pages.